there is no limit. I, I believe, tr honestly, truly believe there is no limit to what we can change. And there's many examples of that, right? Many people that that have adjusted their life and even just a little bit. There's many people that say, well, you know, it's so difficult to adjust your life. Well, yes, it will be. If you say it's difficult, it's going to be difficult for sure because your brain is going to filter out everything that's easy. You want it to difficult, here you go, you know? And that's, a, that's the same thing. Decisions and these thoughts, they're very interconnected because you have a lot of recurring thoughts, you know, I can't do it, or why am I never able to do something? If you ask yourself, so why am I such a failure? Your brain goes, hey, listen, there you go. And where do you want me to drop the pack of papers that I have for you? If you look at your the way of thinking, your brain much easier gives you negative thoughts than positive ones. Because negative thoughts keep you from undergoing change and keep you contained in a safe place. Your brain is not there to make you happy. Your brain is there to keep the system alive, the organism alive, and your brain is there to make you reproduce. And those are the two things. Those are the two things because you are just a tiny puppet in the whole human race that needs to exist and keep on existing. And so your brain is, is there for exactly for that, right? I love that. And, and so it's not there to make you happy. It's not there to make you thrive. And it's not there for self-actualization. It prefers you not to have all that because change for the organism is danger. Welcome to today's episode of Unleash Thyself. I am your host, Konstantin Morun, and today's guest is Carolina Bakker. Carolina is an intuitive mindset coach and was born a psychic medium. She strongly believes that everything and everyone is connected to each other and that if people are happier and authentic, a chain reaction is set in motion. Happier people bring happiness to others causing a ripple effect that will eventually lift the world to a higher level. Carolina guides open-minded entrepreneurs and individuals on their growth journey and empowers them to break through to their next level. So, prepare yourself for an unforgettable conversation that should to leave a lasting impression. Welcome back to Unleash Thyself. The podcast that inspires and empowers you to unleash your potential. I am thrilled to welcome Carolina Becker to the show. Carolina, we can't wait to hear more about the experiences and insights that have led you to where you are today and your unleashed moment, the moment you knew you were in your own path to becoming the best version of yourself. It's such a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you so much. <laughs> to say I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm excited as well. I can't wait to hear more about how we can have spirituality in our life and then also look at science to show us how the two of them get connected. Because as a mathematician, as someone that's into computer science and technology, I've had a hard time starting to believe in all the spiritual aspects that have come into my life. And I can't mm -hmm. wait to hear more how we can tie the two together. Nice. I love that. Looking forward to these things. So let's let's talk a bit about your journey and how it brought you to this point in life where you are a mindset coach, but you're also a medium, and you combine the two to help people on this beautiful life journey. Yes. So you mentioned earlier, you know, these moments in your life when you knew something, when the big moment is, and I must say in my life, I had not one or two, I think I had a dozen. I was just, it was very hard for, to get through to me. Let's, let's just put it like that. I can be very stubborn. And so my stubbornness was mostly in basically wanting to follow a certain path that I had set for myself when I was probably 10 years old. And back then, when I was 10, we lived in the Caribbean, me and my parents and my brother, and 
I, we had to leave. We had to leave this beautiful island where I was, where I could play in the sand every weekend and be on the beach and snorkel and do all these fantastic things. Warm, 30 degrees. I'm still, I'm still a temperature lover, high temperature lover. And, and we had to leave. And we left for Europe, which is an amazing continent in itself. But we left for Europe and we planted ourselves in the wettest country. Well, aside from England, England is wetter. I, I have to admit, those four people, I definitely do not want to be in England. And sun gone, no more beaches on the weekends, freezing temperatures, winter coats, everything you can imagine that for me was like, it was a shock. And I didn't want to be there. And so at that moment, I was, I was a little bit older. I was, I was 10 when we arrived there. I think it was 12, 13 when we came back. And I decided, you know what? I don't want to be here. I want to be in this nice sunny place. And I want to, I want to have that type of life. And so it took me a while to get away from that image, although I haven't stepped away from that image entirely. I am in a very nice sunny place at the moment. <laughs> so I chased that. But the way I chased that was by saying, okay, so I have to do high school in this particular way. I have to do university in this particular way. And then I have to build a career in this particular way. I have to have a house because then I have like a solid base where I can always come back to. I have to have. And so there was all this having to have and <laughs> must and things that I had to do in my, in my brain. That's, you know, all these decisions that I made on such a young age that said, okay, you know what? This is how my life is going to be. And this is my entire life. I, I, this is my path. And so on several occasions, including when I started my business, of course, I found that all those choices that I made back then that were basically made based on little mini traumas, because I cannot really say I have a big trauma, little mini traumas, little things that I didn't like. And I created this whole bubble around it like a bubble of stories, a bubble that said, okay, the people here are too direct and I cannot deal with that. And so it was, it was not just one person that was too direct. Everybody was direct because that was the decision I made about them, right? And the climate here, I cannot deal with this. So the climate, even with nice 30 degree weather, the climate was horrible in my, in my head, right? All these many decisions and all these many things that I did that I thought, okay, and everything, every little thing needed to be adjusted. And so there wasn't just one big moment, although I do have one, that I thought, okay, this is the life for me. There were like a ton, a ton of little moments that I thought, hmm, is this still working for me? Is this still who I want to be? Is this the me that I want to that I want to be five years from now? Is this the place where I want to be five years from now? And I found out that all those little decisions can add up to being a person that is so far away from your authentic self that you you miss out on a lot of beautiful stuff, basically. Yes. I love them. Answer. <laughs> that's a very short question, Constantine. <laughs> but I think that's really important, Karina, that it's because it, it shows us how some decisions we make at a point in life when we maybe didn't have enough information or we had only a certain certain information or biases can impact so much of our life. And like you said, small decisions can add up and then can have a big impact on who you are. Because to me, it sounds like when you're young, you're missing whatever part of you that you left behind. And then you, you set some expectation for the future and you didn't allow yourself flexibility. And what I found in my life, 
and I've done that many times, when I set my sights on something and I put my blinders on and I only expect this one thing, I miss out on all the opportunities that are potentially there or are showing up in my life because I'm only fixed on one target. Yes, absolutely. And it, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's also how the brain works, right? So a little bit of science here. If you look at how the brain works, our brain gets like billions of impulses per second. And if we would have to let all those impulses get into our conscious part, we would, well, to keep it in technology terms, we would melt down like an old computer. The input would simply be too much and it would overload the system and we would just be able to sit there and and wait until this information stream would stop, which never stops, right? And so it makes sense that we do make certain choices and that our brain filters out everything that is not important. And I, I always have, do you, do you remember way back when, I'm not sure, I, we still have them in the place where I live, these message boards in the supermarket and people would put down like, I have a coffee machine for sale or I mm-hmm. have tickets for this fantastic party or, you know, things that they, that they put on the, on the window of the, of the shops just for promotion purposes and things yeah. like that. And basically, you, you always walk just past them and you never really notice that there's something there. And you get into the shop, you walk like an inch of them and you get into the shop and you get your groceries, you walk by couch, you don't see anything. And then one day you're, you're sitting, you're talking to a friend and that friend says, you know what? I would really love to go to a Latin dance party. <laughs> and you think, oh, I've never seen a Latin dance party here. Do you think there's Latin dance parties around? And that same day, you walk to the supermarket and you walk past that same message board and all those things that are hanging in the, in the, in the window that you've never noticed. And suddenly you see, you sort of stop in your tracks and you think, wait, what? And you look and there's a Latin dance party, right? Why? Because the brain suddenly started making it important. Yeah. It's like... There, it wasn't important before, so it was something that was filtered out. And now suddenly it became something that your brain wanted to see and that your eyes wanted to see because you talked about. And so in, in, with everything that we do, every decision that we make, within that decision lies a, I'm going to shut myself off for everything else because you cannot process everything. And so... It makes a lot of sense that if you if you make those decisions, that you follow them. That can be positive, of course, and it can be negative. Exactly. And I love that example you gave, right? Because the one I always go back to is the idea that pick a color, right? I say, I want to see red cars. And if I tell myself that and I now go out in the street, I will see a lot more red cars than I normally do. And I've actually uh-huh. tested myself right and it's so nice to be able to take a concept like this not take it for granted test it in your own life and be like oh yeah it works which then begs the question if you can change your mindset like that your subconscious level like that what else can you change about everything exactly everything there is no limit i i believe honestly truly believe there is no limit to what we can change and there's many examples of that, right? Many people that that have adjusted their life, and even just a little bit. There's many th- people that say, well, you know, it's so difficult to adjust your life. Well, yes, it will be. If you say it's difficult, it's going to be difficult for sure because your brain is going to filter out everything that's easy. You want it to difficult, here you go, you know? And that's, a, that's the same thing. Decisions and these thoughts, they're very interconnected because you have a lot of these when you have a lot of these recurring thoughts you know i can't do it or why am i never able to do something you know your brain will go oh your brain is like google it's google square honestly you your brain just wants to produce and it wants to make sure that you get the answer to the question that you're asking and so whenever you put for a back, lack of a better word, shit in, you get shit out. And exactly. so the thing is, the 
if you ask yourself, so why am I such a failure? Your brain goes, hey, listen, here you go. And where do you want me to drop the pack of papers that I have for you? You know? And so, it, but if you, and of course, we are trained, again, a brain thing. We are trained to be vigilant, to see dangers, because that's our evolution, right? So it, it's, if you ever want me to explain that, I can. But evolution makes us vigilant, makes us scan for dangers. And so if you look at, if you look at your, the way of thinking, your brain much easier gives you negative thoughts than positive ones. Because negative thoughts keep you from undergoing change and keep you contained in a safe place. I mean, your brain, your brain is not there to make you happy. Your brain is there to keep the system alive, the organism alive, and your brain is there to make you reproduce. And those are the two things. Those are the two things because you are just a tiny puppet in the whole human race that needs to exist and keep on existing. And so your brain is, is there for exactly for that, right? I love that. And, and so it's not there to make you happy. It's not there to make you thrive. And it's not there for self-actualization. It prefers you not to have all that. Because change for the organism is danger. I mean, if you always cross the road at a certain point and your brain knows, okay, whenever I cross here at this point, I cross on this road, then I'm safe. Then you will most likely always cross over that road. It's the same thing that when you go to a restaurant with friends and, I don't know, after dinner, you go outside, you stand in the air for a moment, and then you go back in. And you will sit down in exactly the same spot. Always. People that mix around do that consciously. They consciously think to themselves, oh, I haven't talked to this person. Let me sit down somewhere else. But if you wouldn't consciously think that, you would sit down in exactly the same spot. Why? Because the system already learned very fast. That's the spot where you were safe. There were no surprises there. There were no, and the person that, that has a, a glass of water tossed in their neck by somebody that passed, that person is more likely to change seats than the person that didn't have that experience. And I mean, I, I love how you went down that path because it's something I've experienced in my life and I've done some research as well and how evolutionary, how would you survive in an age that wasn't today, right? Like the last 50 years, there's a lot of danger, dangers out there. So your brain needs to protect you. And that's why we have so many learned behaviors that your brain, your ego acts on automatically to keep you safe. And like you said, it's all about preserving the status quo, preserving your energy, right? Because not long ago, there wasn't a lot of food around. So why spend energy to do things that may not yield a positive result? So stay the same, do the same things. So being armed with this awareness that your brain is your friend trying to protect you, but at the same time, it's not your friend because it's not allowing you to be yourself, to be your yeah. true self. How do we work with that? How do we bring it in and now say, you know what? I have this information. Now I can take the next step. So that's a tricky one. So the brain starts collecting information like this and the most active moments when it's most actively in survival mode, let's say, is more or less up to around age eight. Some people until five, some people until 10, but more or less until age eight. Now, if you go back into your memories, how many memories do you truly have for from that time? I mean, if I look back, I maybe have 20 if I'm lucky, I have yeah. 20. And then I have a lot of stories, things that people told me that I, that I did or that I 
said or, you know, things that, or pictures that I recognize myself being happy in certain moments. So I know that because of the, because of the, the things that other people collected for me, I know that there were certain things that happened during that phase. But if you ask me how many memories do you truly have, I have maybe 20. I'm not sure how many, could you, if you go back to that, how probably many less, that, to be honest. I mean, if you really sit and think, I would say probably 10, 15, maybe if I, like you said, if I look at pictures and I can think I have a memory, but then I also know that we are fairly biased in the sense, right? Because we tell ourselves stories that we then believe and we believe yes. it's a memory and yes. it might not actually be that way. No, that's true. And that's, that's another thing that's absolutely true. And the thing is, because of that, if for those 20 memories that you have over a course of seven years, on average, let's say, there is a lot of small decisions that you make, right? You are very dependent, for example, for, from, uh, you're very dependent on the care that your caretakers are giving you, the food, the clothing, a roof over your head, whether or not you can sleep quietly at night. All those things, they are, they are very dependent on other people in those first years of our lives. And so what we tend to do, well, what every child does, every child, no exception, they put their caretakers on a pedestal. And they, they basically say, on top of all the things that are happening, I mean, imagine you being a kid of five years old. I mean, when you were five, you went to school. And at school, you had to worry about not dropping your lunch. You had to worry about maybe counting for the first time in your life. You had to worry about that, that kid that was much larger than you. You had to worry about somebody taking the construction pieces from your nicely constructed building. Yet there were all these things that we call that we call stressors. And then on top there's dangers, like real dangers. Cars on the street, a truck that passes with high speed that sort of make startles you and makes you, you know, pull back. There's a lot of dangers out there. A gentleman on the street that gets angry because because of whatever reason. A teacher that tells you that you should have done something. Or a bully on the, on the, let's be honest, a bully. And so you have all these dangers and you have to, all that goes into the brain, gets pumped into the brain. And if on top of that, you would have to believe that your caretakers, whether parents or, or other caretakers, are not absolutely perfect, your brain would completely fry. So you would, in that moment, five years old, you know, walking around, getting to know the world with all its dangers. And if on top, you had to believe that these people are not perfect, that just doesn't work. So we put them on a pedestal. This implicitly means that the moment that the, our caretakers get angry with us, whether it's because they're worried or because they're truly angry or because they're sad or because we dropped something that they really valued, you know, whatever, whatever reason they have to get angry at us, the moment they become angry at us, we automatically turn it around. They are perfect. So if they are perfect, are then both. I am not. And then these statements are created where we say, I am not good enough. And these statements of I'm not good enough, they have all types of shapes and forms. And every person has a bunch of them. I know I, I have had, I worked through a lot of them, but I still have like a ton. There is always this not good enough statement. And there's, that's natural. There's nothing you as a parent can do or could have done to prevent that because you're also human, right? And so these moments that as a child, you think, oh, 
my caretaker, my mother, is angry with me because I dropped something, I'm so clumsy. I'm not, what is the opposite of clumsy? Handy enough. I'm not skilled enough. Careful enough even, yeah. Careful enough. I'm not careful enough. I should become more careful. Because that's the that's immediately the decision that we make. Coming back to the decisions here, you see. <laughs> so you get this, you you drop a glass, your mother gets angry. I am not skillful enough. I'm not careful enough. And that let me become more skilled. Let me become more careful. And you carry that into your life. And throughout your life, you Start collecting evidence that indeed you're not careful enough. The next time you trip over your own feet or you because you didn't tie your laces. See, I should have been more careful. I'm not careful enough. The first time that, and it's inevitably, you're going to hurt somebody. You're going to hurt somebody's feelings. You're going to blur out something. And that person is going to be startled and you're going to think, oh, See, again, I'm not careful enough. And we tend to cast like a web of all these interconnected points where we put this not careful enough statement on. We say, see, there's another piece of evidence that I'm not careful enough. There's another piece of evidence that I'm not careful enough. And another one that I'm not careful enough. And so we, we stack all that. And we end up being adults that are overly careful, for example. And not everybody, but if you're not going to be overly careful, there's another not enough statement that makes you do something else. I know I was an overachiever, pretty much so, always finding ways to achieve more. And my not enough statement was, I, I'm not achieving enough. I'm not doing enough, meaning that for me, um, I was, I never gave myself time to sit still. Now, that's good. It's, it doesn't hurt you until there's a moment that it does, right? Until, for example, you get into corporate world. And in corporate, people are very happy with an overachiever that's willing to work 90 hours a week. That was the point where, you know, I thought, oh, and I started to discover this. I, I need to achieve. I need to do. I'm constantly doing. I cannot sit still. And my days would be crazy. I mean, I would do work and then I would come home from work and then I would, like I said, I'm a little bit of a, I, I love construction work. I love working with my hands as, to compensate for my brain, the, the, the moments that I have to work hard with my brain. So what, I came home and I started working on my house, doing electricity, laying pipes everywhere. I mean, I love that, that thinking about how the best, how to, put the best type of shower in with the pipes that I, well, anyway, long story. That was my sort of the, the, the next phase of doing. And then after that, I would be doing training. So I would, you know, I, 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 I could work in the house until it was dark. And then I had to, I had to stop that. And then I would say, okay, so let me grab a book. My books up to today are still science, learning. There's, there's nothing that I read. I, I don't just read a novel. Every, every once in a while I read a novel and I'm at page 50 and I think, okay, this is such a, I have this wonderful book over there that's about neuroscience. Why am I reading this? You know? And so... I, I can relate I, the same in that way. <laughs> I'm just, I, I get to that point where I'm too... I'm still, I'm still a person doing, let's say, instead of a person being. So yeah, anyway, so in my case, it was achieving. And that was, my, that was my big one. And so everybody has this not good enough statement that we turned into small decisions, mini decisions, and all these mini traumas, right? 
the, the, the bully that hit you on the head with whatever he hit you on the head with, uh, the, the thunder and the rain coming down like crazy while you were in bed sleeping and you, it startles you and you woke up and you couldn't find whoever took care of you at that moment fast enough. Those very small mini traumas, when we are children, they're not mini traumas, they're big. And when you're a child, I mean, when you have a nightmare, it's big, you know? And today you would wake up thinking, oh yeah, I'd had a dream where I walked through the streets in the dark by myself. <sighs> okay, let's turn around, go back to sleep. And five seconds later, you're asleep. When you're three years old and you're walking by yourself in the street and it's dark, that is a serious issue and a serious scare. So you wake up from that having felt like you had a nightmare. And, and you had a nightmare, right? We call it a nightmare. So all these mini traumas process in the brain and we take them with us. And all these mini decisions about what we are and what we are not, we carry them with us our entire lives until we decide to do something with them. And same thing, it's, again, that pamphlet in the supermarket. When you are aware of something that you want differently, you suddenly start noticing the things like that pamphlet in your passing by saying, hey, oh, wait, I wanted to do something with that. And you're going to find exactly those things that you need if you know what you want to change and where you want to go to. Yes, I love that. Thank you for explaining that in so much depth. So <laughs> like you just mentioned, right? Awareness. I hope I didn't suss anybody to sleep by now. <laughs> no, I don't think so. It's very, for me at least, it's, it's very eye-opening as well, right? Because I knew a lot of this stuff. But the way you explain it, it's simple. It has good examples and seeing examples from your life and how they relate to my own life as well and the audience that are listening to us right now and let me ask you this so you are an overachiever you were doing all those things and you said something very very beautiful you were just doing not being yeah. when did that realization hit you and what did you do once it, it did hit so yeah i definitely was a human doing instead of a human being i started working on it so i when did that that moment it was all kinds of little moments in my life that that sort of hit me. But there was one bigger moment, I think. It was sort of a stacking of little things. So I had what a lot of people would say, the perfect life, the perfect life. Nice family. I love my family. My parents are wonderful. I have, my brother is wonderful. And my best, one of my best friends. And so that part is, is very, was very good. Then I had a lot of friends. I went out. I had a lot of fun in my life from what people could see. And then I had a, I had a very nice job. I love my job. I worked with a, a wonderful team and I had like, my life was, was storybooks. I had a house, you know, the, the, the way, uh, there's a saying in Holland, which means a house, a tree, and an animal. Okay. So it's, a, it's a little roughly translated. It's sort of like you have everything that everybody ever dreams of. And, and people said that to me as well. Oh, you have such a nice life. And every time somebody said that to me, something inside of me stung. Mm. There was something there that didn't enthusiastically say, yes, I know. Isn't it wonderful? People would tell me, you have such a wonderful life. And I would say, uh-huh. That, that was it. Uh-huh. And that's exactly, that was, that uh-huh was exactly the enthusiasm that I had for my life. And the more successful you become, 
the more people start telling you how wonderful your life is. And so the more you are confronted with that little thing inside that says, uh-huh. And I remember that at some point I had a very busy day besides from the fact that my, my life was not perfect at all. It just looked like that on the outside. I mean, my job was amazing, lovely colleagues, but also 90 hours a week, a lot of responsibility, sometimes 90 hours a week, not always, a lot of responsibility and sometimes so much stress that I would get in my car in the morning and I thought, oh, another day. Mm-hmm. And I would do my day completely like full with everything, like everything. It was like a dark cloud around me. And I would get in my car at, at work and I would just, I would just, I would drop my arms and I would just sit in my car. I would stare into nothing. Like, and then if, if I was lucky, it would just be staring at nothing. If my day was really stressful, I would start my car, would drive home crying, thinking what, you know, full of, I didn't do this right. And going back and back and back again on every conversation that I made, every little decision that I could have done differently, feeling like I didn't achieve. I achieved so much, but I constantly felt I didn't achieve enough. It wasn't enough. And one of those moments that that I, you know, I drove home crying, I don't know, for the 20th time in that month. And I thought, what, what am I doing to myself? And then that same evening, and, and so yes, I do remember very specifically now that I think about it. That same evening, I met a friend. And my friend again said, you have such a wonderful life. And it was again, uh-huh. And After that, uh uh-huh, I didn't say it to her, but there was this moment, there was this, no, I don't. I'm not living anything I said I would live. I wanted to travel. I wanted to be a citizen of the world. I wanted to be, I wanted to have, I don't know, animals around me. I wanted to have... One day I, I wanted to have a farm. I wanted a cow. I still want a cow. I don't. And uh, please don't send me a cow. I don't have space for it right now, but I do want a cow. And I, you know, all these dreams and things that I, that I wanted. And somehow, somewhere in the past, I made this. The, all these mini decisions and my goal would be here. And I made all these mini decisions that ended, ended me up there. And how? No clue. Now I know that it was my drive to achieve that made me go in a completely different direction. Because having nothing more than a backpack to travel the world in my brain wasn't achieving. Exactly. And so, and the next morning, so I had this friend that we, we sat and that uh-huh became a little bit louder. And suddenly I noticed that there was a thought to attach to that saying, uh-huh, but I'm not happy. And it can get me emotional still. And I remember Waking up the next morning, and I think, so it must have been weekend, I could sleep in. Waking up the next morning and thinking, you know what? I need to change this. This is something. There's, I need to do something. And what helped at that moment is that I already started coaching people at, back then. 
And that had to do with that somebody asked me if I wanted to coach them because they liked the way I made them think. And I, I just, I always was a curious person. I asked questions and I tried to have people formulate something that would come from within. And it's just my nature to understand people and understand human behavior and that curiosity and, you know. And so there was a person that said, I really like the way you make me think. Can you coach me? And so that was couple of years, like a year or so, a year and a half before that moment. And I yeah. think the combination of me hearing that person's story about how he was, how he always felt like he wasn't enough, like he always felt like an imposter in the room and, and how, you know, even though people were super like looking up to him, he always felt that he was not good enough in his own way right? Imposter. I'm not good enough in, in that particular way. People, people will find out at any moment that I really don't have a clue. And so that was his not good enough. And so I, I was coaching him and then that made me the combination of that going through those questions with him, hearing him talk about what he thought and I did, I started a training and coaching to make sure that I, that I could, you know, guide him better. And that awareness of, oh, wait, there's this voice in the back of my head that's saying, I'm not happy every time somebody says, you are such, you have such a wonderful life. And I guess those two sort of inter, interlocked. And that was the moment that I said, oh, something has got to change. Yes. That's, uh, I mean, it must have been a bit of a weight off your shoulders type scenario, but at the same time, likely very scary because change is scary. So having to now put things in motion, but you became aware that there was a problem. So I imagine that the beautiful journey started then and you could start. Uh, you wanted to like be- I said, I'm very stubborn. So it took me a little bit like it's that 1% a day that, you know, big ships, they don't go 90 degrees in a turn. I'm, I'm a big ship, a huge, big ship. So I, it took me a while to get into a new course and to, because from that moment, it was really, it was really, I have to turn my life around and I was like a a locomotive I was on a rail I had a fixed future I had and and all these mini decisions that contributed to that specific future and so like a like a huge tanker I had to adjust my course really 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 slowly so I think it took me another three years yeah Three years, I think, before I really knew, okay, this is where I was going. One of my other achiever things was that back then, my other belief was an achiever needs to do it all themselves. Yes, on their own. Right. And now I feel so silly. I feel so silly sometimes I, and it's not like a, I'm not beating myself up for it. Life happens like that, right? But funny thing was, so I was coaching this this guy, and I could see him like propel forwards, and it never occurred to me, you know what? Now that I have this new direction that I want to go into, let me get a coach to help me with that. It just didn't occur to me, which is so silly. So it took me another three years to adjust my course to understand what new coordinates I wanted to follow, what I wanted for my life. And then, of course, I I also noticed that I, I replaced this track for this track and almost fell into the same trap again, saying, okay, now I'm going to, now that is my goal. Let me go straight to that. 
and not leaving room for, not leaving wiggle room. So, I, but I caught myself pretty fast on that one. And so after three years, I thought, okay, now I know what I want to do, where I want to go. And, and then suddenly I, I realized, why didn't I get a coach? Let me find a coach. And so I started adjusting a lot of things. I started growing and I completely turned my life around in, in the years after that. Let's say. Yeah. So it's yeah. A beautiful and inspiring story that Carolina. And, uh, let me ask you this, then you turned the ship around and I, I love the fact that you admit it took a while because I'm looking at my journey, very similar story. And you look at other people, it's almost the same. Seldomly do you see someone be able to make a big change and sustain it over a long period of time. And the message that I want the audience to get here as well is that this takes time. It starts with awareness that you need to build the desire to change, that you need to get the knowledge for it. You might have it already. But don't expect that this will be done overnight because unfortunately, the way the media is nowadays, social media, we are led to believe that these changes that you went through and I went through and others went can be done like this. You <laughs> you just lift a finger up and the change is done, right? You follow three steps. Yeah, and change is done. yeah and no, no, no worries. You can do it like that. <laughs> I do think there is a bit of truth in that. Okay, and curious to see your take then. So... I I I think I'm going to get again take the metaphor of that chip. You adjust let's say 1 degree and you're already going in a completely different direction. <laughs> so I feel that to turn your life around like I did, like you did, yes, that requires time. And that requires things information to sink in that requires looking at yourself learning new habits finding out that motivation is a feeling and we shouldn't rely on feelings to do the work for us right stuff like that but there's also a truth in if you get started you will have a change faster than you ever held imaginable ever that you ever thought was possible because that that one degree can make you from unhappy to happy and and that it it won't keep you happy right because to keep you happy you have to keep on turning but to get a real improvement i think that can be done in a, almost in a heartbeat well, not a heartbeat, but in a couple of weeks. Singles, yeah, yeah. No, I I love that take as well. You're absolutely right. Like taking that first step can do so much for your immediate happiness, like you said. But it's not enough yeah. to just take the one step. You have to continue, learn from it, adapt, grow, yes. keep turning to whatever direction you want to go in into. And it also sounds like you caught yourself. You said setting another target that was maybe fixed. And not yes. allowing the growth mindset to come in, allowing that flexibility. And you caught yourself early this time and you allow the flexibility to come in. And I think that's such a powerful message and important message because, again, I look at my life because that's the only one I truly know inside and out. And every time I would put something fixed as a target, I would miss so many opportunities and I wouldn't necessarily be happy on the journey or even at the destination. Mm-hmm. When you allow flexibility, oof, magic happens. So we're now seeing how your life has progressed and how it's changed and the story is fascinating inspiring to me and i'm sure to many people in the audience (laughs) when does spirituality come into your life and how does it tie into the work you do today so for me spirituality is the way we are connected and so the way so spirituality in my in my particular the way the way i perceive it is my connection with my inner power, my purpose, my everything. It's, it all has to do with the fact that you trust what makes you happy 
and you allow yourself to feel what makes you happy. And so this is again that point where you say, okay, you know, what makes you turn? And I think one of the biggest things that we need to we need to let us guide is the level of fun and happiness that we have in our lives. I truly believe that the higher power, the universe, the whatever you want to call it, guides. We're here, I think, to have fun, to be happy. And that's why everybody is constantly trying to find happiness. I mean, it's not something that's, that everybody is talking about it. It's not something that I want and you don't, right? Like a car or a, or a, or a, or a football. It's something that every human on this planet wants to have. What do you want most in life? Happiness. And so I think that happiness can be found in what, what, ha- what gives us fun, what gives us, we can find our purpose in what has, what gives us fun. And that's also where spirituality comes in. If you are fully connected with who you are and fully connected with your inner desires and your physique, because I think spirituality is, is not only spiritual, but also has a mental component and has a physical component uh, that when you combine all that information that you can make very solid decisions based on what where you should be going i think in our systems in all our systems there is this true deeper knowing where we need to go to and that deeper knowing is connected to how comfortable we are feeling moving forward. Now, of course, we have this this history of problems and mini traumas, and in some cases, big, huge, horrible traumas, right? And all these things we carry along with us, and that's what makes us disconnected from who we truly are. And finding that reconnection to your inner power and finding that reconnection to who you truly are and what makes you love your life, that for me is is a big part of spirituality. Besides from the fact that I believe that a way of looking at spirituality, my way of looking at spirituality, is that we're not alone in this world. We have a family, we have neighbors, we have friends, we have animals, we have the world in general, the environment, the, the, the ground on which we walk, everything. And we are connected to everything. And so for me, the way I practice spirituality every day is that when I go out of my house, I smile at people. And I smile at people and sometimes people, especially when it's raining, they look down, they're grumpy, they don't really, they think, what's that? And some people are really a little bit like, okay, you know, but that's the, that's the beauty of it. I mean, I believe that I am somehow connected to that grumpy gentleman that just walked past me and that because of me smiling at him, lifted up part of his face in an attempt to smile back. That lifting up of one corner of your mouth already gives a signal to the brain that you're a little bit happier than you were two seconds ago. Now, that for me is is a very strong way of expressing spirituality. You're you're passing it on like 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 a ripple effect, like a stone that you toss in the pond I smile, that gentleman smiles. By the end of the street, he he might have thought to himself, oh, that crazy lady, he might have a full smile on his face because he thought I was crazy for smiling at him. And while being that happy, somebody else sees him and thinks, huh, that gentleman is having a lot of fun, also raising up one corner of his mouth. And so it's like a ripple effect and everybody gets a little bit happier because I'm happy. 
I love that take. Oh my God, that's such a beautiful take. And I resonate with it 100%. Because what you've done is you become a better version of yourself. You become a true version of who you want to be. You're happy. So now you're overflowing with happiness and love. And you're sharing that with those around you. So what this tells me, and this is something I truly believe, is that by becoming a better version of ourselves and becoming happy with ourselves and loving ourselves, we can now give that out to others directly and indirectly. Because like you said, this is just subconscious. If you go out, you have a smile on your face. You don't know the people you're impacting. And the ripple exactly. perfect, right? It's, it's exactly what we need more in the world. More people that are truly happy, they're smiling and they make changes. So that's why I always talk about, yes, let's save the planet. Let's have big goals and eliminate climate change or tackle it. But it starts with each of us individually. We make that one change, we become happier. We do more things in our life that come from our heart. And then we impact everyone else, your, your family, right? Your parents or your or partner or siblings, your neighbors, like you said, coworkers, they'll all feel it. And like you said, yeah. because we're connected, they'll feel it and they might not even know why they're feeling it. But it doesn't matter because the effects are already seen. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Well, love. And, it's, and it's amazing how something so small can change somebody else's life because you never know who where the chain ends. And I think, honestly, it doesn't end, right? Yeah. yeah. Because people will, and of course, sometimes the chain breaks. But hey, that gentleman wasn't the only one I was smiling at. Exactly. The chain, I mean, there's so many chains, right? There's so many chains and some will be longer than others and that's how life works. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that take. And I know we're getting close to an hour here. We want to we wanna keep it around that. Let me ask you this. If you could go back in time to the younger version of yourself that was on the path that kept you unhappy and you could... On steroids. Exactly. Not the actual steroids, but yes. <laughs> but do a cell buddy. You yeah. could coach your younger self, right? And there may be people in the audience that will be in that same spot. What would be one thing that you would tell that younger self to start to course correct just a tiny bit earlier? Well, get somebody that knows what they're doing because a lot of these, especially achievers, we want to do it ourselves. But you achieve much more if you can do what I did in three years, if you can do that in six months, right? So get somebody that knows what they're doing. And squeeze that time because that two and a half years that I was still overachieving and, and running around and doing everything. I, I don't regret a single moment of my life. Honestly, truly, I don't. It got me where I wanted to be. But it, it's amazing that there's now people around that can support you in getting there faster. And I would really recommend not taking three years if you can do things in six months. So uh, that's one. And cut yourself some slack. Mm. It doesn't have to be 90 degrees from one day to the other. A lot of what we do is, okay, you know, it's like, I'm going to change. And then the next morning, I'm going to change. I'm going to get up up every morning at five o'clock. Well, you do that three mornings. And then morning four, you get up at six, which is still three hours earlier than you used to. And you say, oh, I cannot do this. And people give up. Yes. And so cut yourself some slack. Especially for the other achievers out there, you don't have to be perfect on the first go. Don't. It's not going to be perfect. It's gonna, you're going to be like an onion and you're going to peel off a layer with a lot of hard work. You're going to peel off one layer. It's not going to be hard work. It's going to be fun work, most of it, because you're going to laugh at yourself for doing all kinds of things again that you promised that you wouldn't do, you know, stuff like that. But anyway, or at exactly. least that's what I feel. I feel, I feel it's a fun journey and I'm, I'm still in a journey. I mean, as, as a coach, you are constantly in the journey. And that's fun. I think as human beings, we are going to be constantly on a journey, especially yes. if you make an active choice to, to better yourself, to learn, 
to change. Exactly. I love that. And going back to that point you made about coaching and, and mentorship, and you touched on this already earlier on, the idea of how much you got to learn out of helping someone else out be it as a coach yeah. or a mentor. And I've seen that in my life. I've been a coach and a mentor in different areas of my life. And what I didn't realize going into it is how much value you get out of it besides yeah. happiness and, and feeling joy because you've helped someone else, but also what you're learning in the process. Yes. So what I encourage people to do is you don't have to do coaching or mentorship for money. Just if you see someone struggling, someone you can help, offer and you never know what happens. I mean, in my professional life, I'm a mentor for younger employees, people that join the company, mm -hmm. and it's giving me so much back because I'm learning new things. They're learning a lot. We're maybe we're building a connection. All of a sudden, we're making those ripple effect changes you mentioned earlier. And of course, yeah. get them up for yourself because I've been like you in the past where I was like, Ooh, why do I need a coach? I'm so good at it. Or why do I need a mentor? Right. And it's like, no, wait a second. We all, we're all at different stages in life. Someone might be 10 steps ahead of me that I may want to be like one day. So why not see if they can spare some time and, and coach me or bounce some ideas off of each other? Exactly. And there are so many people around you that will help and will support and will guide. You know, say, oh, there's this one area that I would really like to improve in. I'm sure that just around you, there's a ton of people that would be more than happy to share their knowledge with you, to share what they did to get to that one level or two levels or three levels where above where you feel you are at the moment, you know? And, and people are, are much more giving than most of us give them credit for. And they are much more willing to help grow you as a person and as an employee and so but they're not they're not psychics you gotta ask exactly i love that yes that that's a very good role for many things in life you gotta ask and you got wanna you need to know what to go for right that's the awareness piece which we talked about earlier yeah perfect so let me ask you this carolina can you tell us where people can find you if they want to work with you or if they want to find more of your amazing content oh well thank you so i post on linkedin i am active on linkedin and so it's slash carolina bakker just like my name linkedin.com slash carolina bakker i post on tuesdays and thursdays and i'm always willing to have a conversation like a coffee or, you know, for whoever feels like they want to have a coffee with me. I love to meet new people. And I always like to, I'm, like I said, I'm a curious person by nature. So I always love to hear what people are working on, what processes that go on in their brain, because that's the areas of expertise and what patterns they are experiencing. So yes, there. And I have a website, coachingbycarolina.com where there's a, a contact form where you can always reach me and there's a button to organize yourself a cup of coffee with me. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we'll put those in the show notes, of course, for people to access. But before I let you go, is there anything else top of mind that you'd like to share with your audience? Anything else that we haven't touched on? I know there's so much, but... Oh, there is so much. Let me share my one thing that can already change a person. And so, Constantine, this is not scripted, but <laughs> I hope yep. this is okay. Absolutely. Go for it. Absolutely. Okay. So, like I said before, spirituality, deep, like what you do with your body and your mental state, they are very, very intertwined. And so, what I can say is if you're down, if you feel like the world is too much at the moment, if you feel like you can never do anything, and if you feel like, you know, that general state of what? Do yourself a favor, get off your chair. And if you're at work, go to the bathroom. I don't care. Just go somewhere and do yourself a favor. And for the men, you know who Superman is. For the women, you know who Wonder Woman is. Stand like Superman or Wonder Woman. Just for four seconds. And you're going to laugh about it. You're going to tell yourself, oh, this is ridiculous. 
it's going to do a couple of things. Your brain is going to give you a, I can do this signal. It's the physique that does something in the brain. And I'm going to spare you the details that will give you the sensation that you can achieve, that you can be successful at that moment. It's going to put you in power with yourself. And another sort of mini thing that comes with it is that you're going to think you're ridiculous and you're going to walk out of the bathroom with a smile on your face. That's amazing. I'm definitely going to try that when I'm like, I feel that way and I can already feel it, right? You, you, you stand tall, you stand proud because there's yes. so many things you can be proud of, right? No matter how hard your life is, no matter how tough the situation is, you can still be proud of many things you have accomplished. I mean, you're here today at this point in time. So there were many, like you said, small decisions that have led here, some good, some bad, it's irrelevant. You can be proud. <laughs> and this is one of the things that got me there. So I can really recommend people doing that. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Absolutely. It was my pleasure entirely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank I really you. enjoyed this. Me too. So until next time, we'll, we'll say goodbye to the audience and we'll be back. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. To find out more amazing content and episodes, please visit UnleashThyself.com or you can find us on social media.